Welcome to the Resistance Chronicle. I'm Matt. My co-host is Eric, and we screwed up last night. We did not record an introduction after our interview with Sal Mayweather, Sal the Agorist. Uh, we had him on uh, the podcast, and it was an absolutely phenomenal interview. The guy's amazing. Uh, check out the interview, and here's our awesome intro. It's not a political statement. It's a patriotic duty. Such as yours, owe a common obligation to the people. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. Where are you people? On dope? I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. But we have some bad hombres here and we're going to get them out. All right, recording is in progress. Yeah, you should. Uh, if things turn turn sour in Florida, man, let us know. I got we're in we're in southern New Hampshire. Um, I got a good friend of mine that's a real estate agent too. So if you're looking to to buy some property, let me know. I can hook you up with her. And- New Hampshire is is beautiful. I've been to um, Pork Fest a couple times. I just I can't get enough of it. Yep, yep. There's actually um, Justin O'Donnell who who's run for senator here and everything. Libertarian guy. Um, he goes to Porkfest too, and we got him scheduled to come on the show soon. Nice. We've been, we've been back and forth talking, and, and there's what I heard. He goes for two weeks, and I guess what ends up happening is this Porkfest, right? That's just kind of blown up and kind of gotten a little bit out of control with you know becoming a festival of of, of like almost like a Burning Man kind of thing, you know? Right? Yeah, yeah. More low key scale, and and what ended up happening was they started doing another festival. I don't know if it's the week before yes. the week after Port Fest. So they have their, you know, their own their own little festival where I guess they, they get shit done and you know meet and- Yeah, what's it called again? It's like um Fork Fest or, or some shit like that. Dude, honestly, this stuff is all so new to me. Yeah. Uh, right, okay. The the whole libertarian thing, I never fell into like Ron Paul or anything like that. Um, I was always it's either gotta be one way or the other, right? Democrat, Republican. The Republicans made more sense to me. The last year of Trump's presidency, you know, I, I always do that. You know, I, I read um, the 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 book, um, the creature from Jekyll Island, so I knew there was all this bullshit happening in the government, right? But I thought that the Republicans were the lesser of two evils, you know? Right. And then this last year of Trump's presidency was just a shit show beyond belief. And like, right. Hey, it's all fucked, and it all needs to be blown up. And, and we all just yeah worry and concentrate on our on ourselves, our friends, our immediate community, and. And develop these, you know, small pockets of, of of connections, you know, throughout throughout the country. I guess that you know, people that, that we can talk to, and you know, it's another reason why we started the podcast is to start that. And we've met some some freaking awesome people through. Oh, through for talk. sure. Um, thank you for coming on. So I guess just to do it for having me. Thing, you know, welcome to, to the Resistance Chronicle. Um, anyone out there listening? We got Sal Mayweather on. Uh, Sal the Agorist. And the first thing I wanted to do was understand that. Well, it, it, pronunciation is what's got me because I hear agorism, agorism, agorist, agorist. Can, can you give me the official? What, 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 what's going on with that? So the official pronunciation is agora or agorism because it comes from the Greek term agora, which just means, mar- you know, marketplace. But with that being said, agorism, agorist, it's like potato, potato. Okay. At the end of the day, how you pronounce it isn't as important as the fact that you do it. That's that's the whole key to agorism or agorism is is action. So as long as you're doing it, no one cares what you call it. Yeah. Tell, tell me before we even get get more into this because I, I when when I originally reached out to you, I had no idea that you were putting out a book or had a book in the works or anything like that. So that's just kind of bonus to us, I guess. You know, having scheduling conflicts and, and meeting up later. Because now right. I get to talk to you a little bit about What's the book. Two weeks um, yeah. What's up with Mac Dre, man? <laughs> <laughs> Mac Dre is the greatest rapper that's ever lived. Uh, and yeah, for sure. And he, he got robbed by Snoop Dogg and all those West Coast guys. I was really into that whole like West Coast rap scene. But really, the, the truth of it is, when I was making this Twitter account, I was just listening to Mac Dre. And I was just like, you know, that's my avatar now. <laughs> and it, was, awesome. it was that simple. And it, it, it worked. People seemed to like it, so it stuck. Awesome. That's great. And he became a master of memes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. And every now and then, actually, I'll get like a, um, 
like a cease and desist letter from Mac Dre's family. Like if I'm doing an event or if I'm speaking somewhere, I'll get like a cease and desist letter that says, please stop using like our image or something like that. So no one day, I'm, yeah, one day I might have to change that. But for now I'm under the radar. Yeah. Oh, no kidding. Oh, that would be too bad if you have to change it. That's a great profile. Yeah. 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 I, I didn't know who you were. I'm like, who the hell is this guy with this profile? <laughs> This is I can't awesome. tell you how many how many times I'll go on a podcast and be like, "You're not Sal. Sal's like <laughs> the black dude with the afro." <laughs> yeah, it's definitely definitely a little different than, than the, the the person in front of us. Um, so when I told you that you know we're new to this whole libertarian thing, agorism, um, just kind of figuring things out. I'm not sold on the Libertarian Party, the Mises Caucus, all, all this stuff that goes on with it. It seems like there's a lot of infighting within groups. For a, for a newbie to all this, right, what, how, what would you say is, is, is somewhere good to, to get started? My philosophy is, is screw it all. And if, if the Libertarian Party wants to be part of the system, then let them. I don't want to be part of the system. I, right. I can't get down with somebody like, like a Joe Jorgensen. Or, or a um, uh, who's the old well Bill, Bill Well, my, my old state of Massachusetts. He was the governor. Right. He did nothing for the state. What makes the Libertarian Party think that he's going to do anything for the Libertarian Party by running for a vice president four years ago? Right. I mean, whatever it was, five years. Well, ago. you're 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 exactly correct, right? Like it's like there's there's and you being a new libertarian who already realizes the danger of the party you're years ahead of some of these more advanced libertarians who've been here because they've been fooled right and that's sort of one of the points i make in the book is that you know conkin calls these people invaders from the state right it's sort of like a, a like um a counterattack the libertarian party is, is best seen as like a counterattack by politicians Right, they're sort of trying to wrangle libertarians up into this entity, this organization that's very impractical, very expensive, and very inefficient. So this way, all of this, this money, this time, man hours, energy, and resources that the libertarian community and libertarians possess, it gets funneled into this sort of useless and baseless project. And I think that that benefits the state because they understand that this will get nowhere. Right. It's and I think one of the examples I give in the book is, is it's sort of like, uh, you know, sitting down to a high stakes card game that, you know, ahead of time is rigged against you. Why would you play such a game? It's the same thing with politics and and, uh, you know, the, the whole political system. This is why I tell people to avoid the Libertarian Party and avoid the Mises Caucus, because the Mises Caucus is the ones who are specifically out to convert people like you and I. Yeah. Almost like a now, Libertarian Party, huh? What's that? Seems like it's almost like a pack for the libertarian. Yeah, you go out and do the dirty work and, <clears throat> and whatnot. Right, and it's it's like it's wildly con contradictory, right? Yeah. The idea that you could have a political party based on freedom doesn't really make a lot of sense, right? That would be like having like a cardiovascular conference at like the Marlboro Factory, right? It wouldn't make a lot of sense. Um, but yeah. the second part, president, if your president doesn't that go against what you believe that there should be no president? Exactly. Exactly. And that's my point. I get in trouble for saying that to these people. I get yelled at for saying what you just said. Like, um, you know, and I like these people. A lot of these, these, these folks are my friends. They've been in the movement for a long time as I have. I've grown in the movement with them. But I, I just I can't follow them down this road of voting and, and choosing masters, imposing masters on my neighbors and stuff like that. It's just not for me. But I think the really important part of this, the second part of your question is where do you start, right? Like, all right, so if you're not going to engage the political system, then what? Then what do you do? That's where things get interesting because I think that's where agorism comes in. That's where we agorists will change people's lives for the better. And by doing that, we change the world one individual at a time. So, you know, be your own bank right? Get out of the fiat currency system is one of the biggest things that the individual can do for themselves because it will have like, you see, we're saying the, the creature from Jekyll Hyde, you understand the dangers of like central banking and inflation. Be, becoming your own bank will help prevent that, right? Rather than waiting for some politician or group of politicians to audit the Federal Reserve or get a bill to pass the audit the Federal Reserve, you know, get it passed, which they've been unable to do, you can become your own bank today using a combination of precious metals and cryptocurrencies. You know, rather than waiting for 
you know, the small government Republicans or the NRA to protect your gun rights, you can get yourself a 3D printer or a ghost gunner today and make sure that you will always have those God-given rights, no matter what any politician says. And, you know, the list goes on. Those are just two examples. But agorism provides solutions for every, like, little political oppression. Yeah, and, and you can, it seems... Because we're not going to escape a lot of this stuff, right? I, I think that the, the government, the established government that we've had, has been around since before the country existed. It's, it's a monarchy, basically, right? I mean, you look at the president, they're set up there on a pedestal, and the same thing in history could, can, can be traced back to the Roman Empire when Caesar was, you know, worshipped. And it seems like it's that, that same model. I don't think it's going to go away, but I think with the with 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 agorism, you can work with within the confines of it, right? So and rely less more on the government than right, like what we do now. Yeah. Yes. Oh, we could go to the store, but hey, I could just grow my own food, yep. and now I'm not getting all those chemicals. Now I'm living longer, and that's pissing them off. So then we win. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, and and but I think the really interesting thing about this is is you have to think about how this scales, right? What if every individual starts to think like this? What if everyone starts to grow their own food? What if everyone gets a 3D printer? What if everyone stops using fiat currency? All of a sudden, their whole game collapses, right? Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, we can we can bring down the their, their oppressive regime in a way that's nonviolent, in a way that's consistent with libertarian principles. And I think it's the only way to do it in a way that's consistent with libertarian principles. So you, in theory, like throw the Wall Street bets thing at them, basically, where, you know, everybody kind of, we control it now. And by, by getting, switching everyone to agorism, you kind of say, no, no, we're going to control our own food now. We're all set with you. Well, exactly. It's about building a counter economy to their mainstream legacy economy, right? It's about, it's about building up the black and gray markets so that we can create the infrastructure necessary for a free society. And eventually... <clears throat> eventually we'll create, we'll have enough entrepreneurs in the counter economy. The idea is that we'll have enough of us in the counter economy that will create a demand <clears throat> for security services that are not provided by the state. And once we have private defense agencies who sort of challenge the state's monopoly on violence, then the state has a major, major problem on their hands. And it's been, um, you know, these, these strategies that we're talking about, agorism, counter economics, these these have been used successfully in the past against governments. Um, this whole fourth section of the book is dedicated to uh, examples in history when it was successfully used. Gandhi got rid of the British using counter-economics. Uh, counter-economics played a major part in taking down the Soviet Union and a lot of the Eastern European dictators. I mean, it's really, if you think about it, every advance that the libertarian community has ever made has always been based out of off of the market and not the political arena. And, and it's really got to start small, I would think, right? I, I yeah. think from the infantile stages of this, and I mean, you, you could trace agorism back to you know the early 1900s and, and whatnot. But I, I really think right now we're we're in a spot where yeah, we we need to start we need to start small and showing people that hey hey this works. You know, show up if, if you got a regular day job. Show up to your day job with a with a bushel of cucumbers that you right grew, yeah a bunch of pickles that you made for for a gift or something like that and have people asking questions and I think the more we talk about this and the more the more we put that information out there I think I, I think the more it's gonna it's gonna um gonna gonna kick in now I mentioned agorism starting back in the 1900s that that was Austrian economics when that got started right. Yeah, Austrian economics started in like the late 1800s, 18-something, late, some, I forget the exact date, but that's a little bit different. <clears throat> that, that's more of like an economic philosophy, whereas agorism is a political philosophy. I guess you could argue it's a, it's a philosophy of, political, of the political economy, because really they're one and the same. I think they're really two sides of the same coin, but... Um, the, the agorist founder really didn't come didn't come about as an idea until the 1970s, and then uh, it wasn't until the founder of agorism, Sam Konkin, died in 2004 that these ideas really started to take off. Because right after that, we had Satoshi Nakamoto write the white paper. We had Ross Ulbricht to create uh, the Silk Road. Uh, Cody Wilson put out the 3D printed gun. Ivan uh, and the deterrence dispensed created uh you know the 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 ecm barrel so now you know you can make a gun anywhere in europe and stuff like that so we've made very significant advances but it's it's very recent right like 
think about how much advances the Marxists have made and how long has Marx been dead, right? Hundreds of years. And they really haven't come that far, right? Um, you know, our founder, uh, our, our, you know, leading thinker, Sam Conkin, has only been dead for 15, 20, 15 to 20 years. And we've made all of these wild advances. Imagine where we're going to be in 50 years or 100 years. Your book is perfect for somebody like me who is just overwhelmed with information and doesn't know where the bullshit starts and, and or right. the ends and the real stuff starts. Um, I, I could tell just by, by, you know, picking some of the stuff like, like Unloose the Goose, the, the podcast you have with, with Jack and Nicole and, and just listening to you and, and seeing your tweets and, and your memes. I know that, that you're somebody that, that I could, look to, to to provide me with some some decent information and factual information. Dude, the book yeah and the book yeah. is just like a, a whole bunch of everything pulled from from all these writings that you've curated yourself and, and you got a little blurb of what you're about to read and then and then you read it and and i got the kindle edition because i couldn't wait for the thing to be delivered i got this thing highlighted like crazy i'm only about 50 percent through it um I, I i got two kids i'm starting a business i work a regular nine to five very cool reading is is not something that's that's on the front burner for me you know right if, right if i can keep my eyes open at 10 o'clock at night and I'm lying down yeah, in bed i'm gonna i'm gonna be yeah i'm gonna be doing some reading so i'm about 50 percent of the way through it unbelievable man you put that thing together very well what tell us how you how you what your thought process was where, where you started um, to say, hey, I'm going to take all these these essays and stories and put them together. What, what, what's the story behind the book? So I got blocked by the LP Mises Caucus on Twitter and social media, um, I don't know, a while back. And that was actually the impetus for the book. That was the idea. I was like, well, I got to reach them somehow, right? If they're going to cut me off on social media, well, I guess they can't block a book. So I came up with the idea of anti-politics. And I put together this whole... Um, conglomeration of essays from anti-political thinkers. And I divide the book into four sections, um, what we believe, what we oppose, anti-politics in theory, and anti-politics in practice. This way, I hope my, my goal is to give the, and I say in the, in the foreword, the new libertarian, I want to try to sort of help them uh, avoid some of the pitfalls that I think are common amongst new libertarians. And there's a lot of them. There's a lot of different schools of thought within the libertarian community. They're going to try to persuade the new libertarian to join their faction or, or to stay away from these guys. Most of that is all bullshit, right? It's, it's all nonsense. As long as you stick true to your principles, you're going to be fine. Um, I think that a lot of people get confused, though, and they, they avoid their principles. And that's, that's, that's what anti-politics is about. It's about ensuring that we don't fall into the the trap of politics, right? Where our whole goal as libertarians is to see an end to the political arena and to sort of maximize the economic arena. So why should we sort of engage with the whole, you know, with politicians and, and the electoral process? So that was sort of the idea behind the book. Nice. Yeah, I, I've, I've read through the entire um, Most Dangerous Superstition and I'll put Mark and Rose. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll put this book right up there with it, man. It's, it's oh wow, nice intro, intro to, to to you know very cool sort of you know mindset and, and way of thinking, man. I I, I think it's awesome. Let's awesome. Talk about, let's talk about uh, a little business that you got going on. Three D printing, man. I need to know about. Ooh, that. yeah, yeah. Three D printer go burr. B B R R R right. B R R R dot com. Three R's. People get confused. We'll link it in the notes, and I'm I'm gonna be redoing the website. Is this for, one you sent me that they yes. take yeah. Bitcoin. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yes. 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 Yeah. So I'm gonna so, I'm gonna add a link to it on on our website too. Once I start redoing that, I'm working on another website right now, and and uh, once that's done, I'm gonna start working on the, the podcast website, and we have a nice a hall of fame. Oh, you're busy, now. dude. You're in the hall of fame. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. So um, 3D printer go burr. Yeah, the idea here is that um, everybody who wants a 3D printer has to get one through some sort of KYC payment platform, right? They, in order to get one, you have to access a KYC payment platform. So nine out of 10 times they're buying them from Amazon um, and they're paying with Visa, PayPal, uh, MasterCard, a bank, whatever. But the idea is that you the, those payment platforms will force you to undergo the KYC identity verification process. 
by accepting cryptocurrency for 3D printers, we make an end run around that KYC platform. So now you can purchase a 3D printer without ever KYCing yourself. Now what's KYC? Know your customer. So it's a, it's a, it's a very specific set of um, rules that the state forces on businesses that they have to uh, force their customers to undergo. So when you open up a bank and you have to show them your license and social security and stuff like that, that's the KYC process. Now, if you want to, um, you know, like I said, if you wanted to pay, get like a, a buy a 3D printer from Amazon, you have to use one of those KYC cards, one of those KYC platforms. But the idea of Bitcoin, the whole purpose of Bitcoin is to facilitate secure transactions between two individuals who aren't face to face. So this is a perfect uh, use case for cryptocurrency. So really the, the goal is to not only facilitate the sale, the secure anonymous sale of 3D printers for libertarians and anarchists who are stuck in gun-free zones, but also to show people what the utility of cryptocurrency actually is. I think that's really, really important. That's something that, that gets lost on the, the agorist community far too easily. So I'm hoping to sort of do... Uh, juggle both of those tasks that 3d printer go burr most people that i know that dabble in crypto besides you know me i'm not too sure how how, how deep you go with this they hoard it like it's a freaking beanie baby right yeah and i'm yeah. thinking to myself why aren't you spending that i just bought right from from hall or Rose. right uh, I, 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 I text him all the time he's like where do you even find out how to, how to buy shit? yeah have you ever heard of this helium thing helium helium's thing? Helium's a, like a, an altcoin. I'm not too familiar with it, but I have heard there's been some like buzz around it. I'm not too familiar with it. Um, Did they ever expect I, it? Yeah. I, I think the buzz is going to get a little bigger because they're, they're within this whole, you know, the internet of, of things, right? Oh, uh, okay. It's an IoT coin. Yeah. And what they're, what they're doing is they're sending out routers at no cost to the, to the homeowner or, or the homestead of where this router is going to be placed. And it's going to jump on the IoT network, so anyone can, you know, grab Wi-Fi off you or, or however that all works. And in return for having this thing running in your home, it's mining helium at the same time. So your helium coin is going to get dumped into a wallet through the company that, that sends you the router, and you keep twenty percent of the total amount that that it, it, it generates. So it could end up being about two hundred, about two hundred bucks or so, just to plug this in, and it's like at five cents a day. I mean, it doesn't sound that's like pretty that. good. Yeah, and you're yeah. a Wi-Fi network. For, for that doesn't sound bad to me. Two hundred bucks to to mine crypto. So I got a um, a referral for it, and I submitted my information. And then what I was going to do is get mine, and then I was going to send him a referral, and, and other people I know a referral because everyone that gives you a referral. You'll also get five percent of, of whatever they're very cool, but not oh, out of no their twenty percent. Um, but very cool. Our town, I guess, here is so small. I, I need to grab a, a, a gaggle of people to to get together and say, "Yeah, we want these things," and and they'll end up, you know, mailing out a, a, a bunch to us. Does they say how many? Set them up. They have to be set up um, one point three kilometers. So I think that's like almost a mile and a half or a mile. Right, so they have to be at least a mile apart for the for the internet. Oh, right, right. So yeah, it seems, oh, I see what you're saying. It's like it's a pretty cool thing. Part of me is skeptical. I'm like, what am I doing? Putting some strange device in my house that's you know running off of my internet, doing another, you know, supplying another form of internet. So so I don't know. They reject you know, there's there, there's a lot of altcoin projects out there, and it's it, it's a super super competitive space right now. But I'm really excited about it because. You know, Hayek spoke about competition as a discovery procedure. It's only through the competitive process that we find out what the market needs, what the, what the individual wants. So we have all kinds of crazy coins out there doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And I think it's just a great time to be alive. I don't think that we have even seen the beginning of this explosion of, of tokens that's coming, that's, that's about to, I think it's going to revolutionize the world, just like the internet did. I don't think people understand that yet, but I think it's it's a great thing, and it's, I think it's only going to get a hell of a lot bigger. How, how do you think it'll go if if the government, whether it's our government, the Federal Reserve, or some arm of the government, starts getting their hands on it and regulating it? Can they regulate it? I don't think they can. Or can they only regulate the coins that they come out with? 
Right, right, right. Well, that that's exactly it. So they can they can regulate the coins that they come out with. Like um, you guys have heard of this U.S. Uh, DC or CBDC, Central Bank Digital Currencies. Yeah. Um, yeah, they got a brick coin too out in out in uh, England. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and like I think every country is going to try to come out come out with their own. I think it's it's a scam, obviously. Um, it's a shit coin, as we say. But the idea is, I think that there's a there's an important. It's important for people to understand what their move is, what they're trying to do. In order. See, right now the Fed is stuck in a, in a trap. The central bank is stuck in a trap. They have a choice. We can either go into a deep recession, right? If they stop printing money, then we go into a deep recession. Or they can c- continue to print money like crazy and we can go into hyperinflation, right? There, there, there's, it's a binary choice there. And I think that, uh, um, you know, what people don't realize is that I think with when they, when they do these stimulus packages and they quantitative easing and they you know, bail out the, the airlines, all these different programs that require money printing. Each time they do that, it has less and less effect, right? It's like, it's like a junkie, um, you know, getting high. Every time they shoot drugs in their arm, the, the effect gets less and less and less. And eventually they're going to overdose. It's sort of the same kind of concept here. But the idea is that when they give you dollars, right? They can't control where you spend it. So a lot of people are going to take those dollars and they're going to stick it underneath their mattress or they're going to buy gold or silver or Bitcoin or firearms or something like that. That's not going to stimulate the economy. The only way to stimulate the economy, like by through inflation, the way that they're trying to do it is if you go out and you use this newly printed money to consume, right? If you go to the movies, if you go to Starbucks, McDonald's, uh, you know, Applebee's, things like that, they need you to go out and spend this money for it to have the effect, for it to keep their Ponzi scheme alive. So nothing that you can keep for long periods of time. Right, right. Not like, in other words, they don't want you to purchase a non-inflationary asset or something that they can use against you. So the solution, the the trick for them, the way that they get around this is by issuing central bank digital currencies. Now you get a a notification on your phone, a little ding, boom, you got $600 uh, and you can only spend it at certain places, right? You can't spend it at 3D printer go burr. You can't spend it at uh, bitcoin.com or Coinbase. You have to, you can only be spent at Target, right? It can only be spent at Walmart. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to target the, the stimulus injections so that it, it benefits the Goldman Sachs banker class. And that's, that's the whole problem. They can't do this to Bitcoin or Bitcoin Cash or any of the other larger networks smaller cryptocurrency networks they can't overtake the the hash rate if they really wanted to they haven't yet but we'll see i think that that we'll see that come to pass soon so like there's like binance and all the other ones which ones do you recommend as like all right these are probably your best bet like is binance really still a good one because they put that hold on your on your coin so it's kind of like well it's then it's not mine like if i have if i buy it i should have exactly exactly why why is there a wait period it's like with guns yeah. Yeah. So I tell people, look, not your, not your keys, not your coins. If you don't hold the keys to that wallet, you don't own that cryptocurrency, right? Um, Binance sucks. Coinbase sucks. The reason why they suck is because they're going to KYC you. And if the IRS wants your information, they are going to hand you over like real quick. Um, that said, if you don't mind the KYC stuff, they really make the process of acquiring crypto super easy. But if you are going to use one of these major centralized exchanges, don't keep your crypto on the exchange. Once you get it, move it to your own private wallet where you do hold the hold the keys. Um, best exchanges are these decentralized exchanges, DEXs. I don't know if you guys are, are familiar with these. Um, it's, it's sort of like a... a I don't know there's all different kinds of options, but the most decentralized exchange are these peer-to-peer exchanges like um, local.bitcoin.com. Is, 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 what's that? Over. I'm not familiar with it. I'm not familiar, but um, if, if, if it's a peer-to-peer trading platform, then yeah, you're, you're, you're golden. No, there's no fiat in most no of these. In, in trade over. You, you have to go in with Bitcoin. You have to transfer Bitcoin from from a Bitcoin wallet to your Bitcoin wallet there, and from there you just you, you can exchange for prior chains. That sounds great. Yeah. Do you have to do you have to upload like your license and stuff like that? No, none of that. No, no. Beautiful. Just Beautiful. Your wallet. Now, when you Beautiful. say peer to peer, is it like you have 
say 15 Raven coins or pirate or whatever you want to say. And I want to buy 15. You'll sell me 15 and I'll give you something else. Is that how it works? Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And now like on on a lot of these, um, it's all based on escrow on these peer to peer exchanges. That's the key is to make sure that you don't stray from the escrow system because there are a lot of scammers out there. So like, in other words, the way it works is if like, let's say I want to buy 20 bucks of, uh, you know, Bitcoin cash from you. I, uh, you have a post that you have an offer. You're, you're selling $20 worth of Bitcoin cash or X amount of Bitcoin cash for $20. I click buy. Um, I will transfer the funds that you're requesting into an escrow account, right? Now I don't have control over it. You don't have control over it. Once you send the uh, the crypto, now that automatically gets released into your 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 possession. So it's sort of it's a way of sort of getting around the whole uh, I, the problem of having a centralized legacy exchange. So so and there's no wait time on that, obviously, right? No, no just 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 the response time of the other party. So once you get the coins, that's yours now. You could turn around and sell it or spend it. Yep, or yep, that's it. It goes right into the now. Like for example, on local.bitcoin.com, the native token is Bitcoin Cash, so all trades are finalized in Bitcoin Cash. So you have a Bitcoin Cash wallet built into your local.bitcoin.com, uh, you know, account, so that you know if I uh, if you make you know thirty dollars trading that it's going to wind up in your Bitcoin Cash wallet. Again, that's non-custodial also because Bitcoin.com is pretty good about this stuff. So that's also a non-custodial wallet. So is Bitcoin Cash almost like the 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 fiat Venmo, but just with cryptocurrency? No, Bitcoin Cash is sort of there was a fork in twenty seventeen. The the problem was that like. The, the, when, when Bitcoin was initially at all-time highs, like $20,000 in like 2017, the network was super congested. So to, to, to make a Bitcoin transaction was super expensive because everybody was competing for minor attention. And it was super, the, the wait times were really lengthy. So in order, if I want to send you like, let's say like 80 bucks, it might cost me like 50 bucks. Wow. And it's going to take like an hour and a half for you to get that money. That's not an efficient medium of exchange. So some people in the community put forward the idea of, well, let's raise the block size just a little bit. This way we can fit more transactions into each block, ease up the, the burden on the miners. The people who decided to do that, they, we went with Bitcoin Cash. That's what Bitcoin Cash became. Bitcoin BTC caps, they say with the small blocks, they take another approach to scaling, which is the Lightning Network, which I'm not the world's biggest fan of. I just think Bitcoin Cash is easier to use. It's more true to Satoshi's initial concept of Bitcoin. But hey, whatever, to each his own. I don't care if you use Dogecoin as long as you're not using, you know, US dollar fiat slave currency. On, on your website or, or on your, your, your store, 3dprinter.org, I'm only asking you this because I started a, a, an online business myself this, this summer. Where I'm, nice. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I'm blending spices, so I buy spices in bulk. And I'm a chef by trade, so there's, there's not really much you can do with, without, um, without a, a, an industrial kitchen, I guess. It's inspected by some sort of you know, food. food right, yeah. It comes in. It's never worked in a kitchen before, but it's going to tell you how your kitchen needs to operate. Of course, yeah. What right. it needs to be and what, what your, you know, your sanitizer parts per million are and all this crap that they think they know that they don't really know. Right, but right. In New Hampshire, we're lucky to have some great homestead laws. Um, and as long as it's what's deemed a non-perishable food, so like sauces, um, like tomato sauces, um, high acidic sauces, like, like I can't do pickles out of my house, but I can jar the brine and teach people how to make pickles with the brine that I have. Well, um, you just add the pickle or add the cucumber, yeah, you know, we'll boil it, right. cucumbers, depending on what you want. So what I did when I was setting that up, my, my online business, I used WooCommerce, and then I went through um, coinpayments.com or .net or whatever it is. Who do you use? Because I, I saw on your 3 dprinterbur you specifically, I think, have a, a link to click to pay with Bitcoin Cash, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, I don't think they're using coin payments, right? So I I use I actually do I do everything differently than that. I yeah. use Shopify rather than WooCommerce, but I've heard good things about WooCommerce. I'm just not familiar with it. I've always used Shopify, so I just stuck with them here. It is it is, um, and then I use uh, Coinbase Commerce because okay. they make the 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 plugin is like super simple. Um, 
I can't accept as many coins as I'd like. I think I'm like down. I think I'm only like able to accept Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, Ethereum, Litecoin, and like maybe one or two more Dogecoins in there. But um, they just make the process so simple that I, I, I really couldn't uh, not go with them. The other thing that the other benefit of, of working with them is that they uh, you can convert very easily. So my main medium of exchange is Bitcoin Cash. All of my, I don't, I don't, I try not to hold any dollars. Um, I try to only hold Bitcoin Cash. So, because it's, it's just an efficient medium of exchange for me. And uh, when I get paid in Ethereum or Litecoin or Bitcoin, I'll just immediately convert to Bitcoin Cash and, and you know, throw that into my wallet, which I treat, you know, like a checking account for all intents. So that's purposes. your coin of choice, Bitcoin Cash? Yeah. 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 It's, it's very easy to use, and um, wherever I have it, my my BitPay card, um, it's one of it's the only currency really that you can use efficiently. The only cryptocurrency you can use efficiently as a medium of exchange. In fact, I went to load some Ethereum. I had to make a purchase yesterday or earlier today or something, and I had some leftover Ethereum on my BitPay wallet. I wanted to move over to my card. I think I had like forty bucks or something like that. They wanted like. I want to say like 29 yesterday of the 40 to move like a, a 10 or 11 bucks onto my card. Wow. So, so just to make, make sure the listeners understand that I had $40 and they wanted me to pay 29 of that in fees just to move the ether. Right. <laughs> so like, it's absurd. And then you have to wait, you know what I mean? You have to wait for those ether transactions to confirm. And it's, it's just a nightmare. And, and it doesn't and Bitcoin, defeat the purpose too. It defeats the whole purpose. <laughs> it defeats the whole purpose. That's why where you guys are up in New Hampshire, you guys are lucky because there's this huge community for Dash. Dash is one of my favorite cryptocurrencies because um, it's, again, it's it's designed to be a medium of exchange. And uh, I don't know if you guys know Joel Valenzuela. He's up by you, big in the Dash community, um, big, big libertarian. Um he lives completely with cryptocurrency like I do, but his medium exchange is Dash. And I guess where he's at up by you, he can go into a coffee store and, uh, you know, buy his breakfast with, uh, with Dash. Like it's no problem. Yeah, I, I think that's really cool. He, he must be out West and Keen. Keen's a, a huge, huge crypto community over there. There's the, the crypto six that got busted. Um, yeah, yeah. Gems. Heroes, those guys. Heroes. Yeah, See, the pain in the ass for us would be like we'd have to go on, then get it sent as fiat, and then ha- then t- withdraw the like send it to our fiat account, and then take from our fiat account to pay for what it loads. But what, so you know what I'm saying. But what you're saying is you, you just use, you use a debit card, right? That right. Converts that into fiat for the store. Is, is oh yes. Yeah. So I, so the BitPay card, there's other options too. You can use like the crypto.com card. Uh, Coinbase said that says that they're going to be coming out with a card. Obviously all these options are super KYC'd. Um, but for all intents and purposes, they normalize the spending experience. Right. And once, once I think merchants realize that people are spending Bitcoin cash, for example, they're going to have an incentive to start accepting it directly. Right? Why would they? Why would anyone want to lose money by paying a third party like BitPay or Visa or whoever when I can just pay my bartender right in Bitcoin Cash? And I think eventually, uh, eventually they're going to figure that out. But yeah, no, these these cards they make it super simple. Um, you can do it without the cards. There are ways. Like there's an app called BitRefill where you can get like a, a gift cards that um, load on your phone. So let's let's say you wanted to only use Dash, right? But you have to go to Home Depot to buy lumber. You could take, you know, with the prices of lumber today, you could take like a million dollars in Dash <laughs> and, and and move it to your. You can go on Bit Refill and buy, you know, a one million dollar gift card to Home Depot with Dash. And then all you got to do is scan your Home Depot app as you're as you're as you're walking out. And and uh, Joel tells me that it's very very uh, easy to use. Now I notice that like on those like the crypto cards and stuff my buddy was talking about it and it said like uh it's a visa right it kind of runs so wouldn't that now you're like mixing the two right or is it just you got to do deal with it for now till it gets better 
Well, no, you're right. You're right. Um, Once you go into um, Visa or or MasterCard, you become KYC, no doubt. They have to do that. Either the government will send men with guns to their house. Um, The thing is, for me, I don't need to to have a non-KYC payment right now for lunch. Right. It doesn't it doesn't make a difference to me if I, you know, have to buy tires with cryptocurrency. Right. That's not a big deal. They can never take away the peer to peer aspect of it, though. So if you ever want to go on the Internet and buy a bunch of dope with it, which I don't recommend. But if you do, you can. And there's nothing that they can do to ever stop it. They can never take that that peer to peer characteristic away from it. Now, isn't that what happened with Silk Road is he created that whole thing and then people were just uh, abusing it, right? Yeah, well, Ross, Ross, man, this is what a sad story. Ross is is a hero who, um, you know, before Ross, nobody really knew what Bitcoin did. No one really knew what it was for. It was just sort of this like novelty that people on the Internet would send back and forth to one another. But Ross showed us what it could be used for when you have a a currency that doesn't need a third-party verification, a third-party verifier, now it opens up this whole world to uncensorable transactions, to permissionless transactions. And he, um, there's, a, there's a piece of agorist fiction that I highly recommend everybody le- read uh, called Alongside Night. They made it into a real terrible movie with Kevin Sorbo, which I think you can get for free online. So if you don't want to read the book, you can watch the movie. But anyway, Ross saw the movie. He became inspired. And he he created an, uh, a marketplace called the Silk Road, where the main currency was Bitcoin. Back then, there wasn't like as much blockchain forensics. So you know it was harder for them to track uh, transactions and stuff like that. Nowadays, I think everybody uses Monero and stuff for these these dark markets. But um, he was they they tracked him down. It's a really ugly story, and they um, they took him to uh, court. And Judge Catherine B. Forrest, who was a domestic terrorist, for as far as I'm concerned, sentenced Ross, a first-time nonviolent offender, to double life sentences plus 40 years in prison. So Ross will die in prison for a first-time nonviolent crime because of this this woman. And uh, it's important to that people understand what Ross did here, right? Not only did he create the, the world's first, in all of human history, he created the first truly free and open marketplace, but he also showed us what Bitcoin's utility was. And that is super, super important from an economic standpoint, because any money that's trying to become the general medium of exchange has to have some utility outside of its use as a money. And I think by Ross showing us what a peer-to-peer currency does, that's just as big as creating the, the world's first truly open and free marketplace. So Ross is a hero. He is an example of what happens to agorists, I think. And um, the final thing I'll just say here is that the fact that they went after him so hard is only proof that they are most threatened by by agorists, right? You don't see them going after the Libertarian Party. You don't see them going after the, you know, small government Republicans. They're throwing agorists in prison, right? They're going after uh, Cody Wilson. They're going after Ross Ulbricht. This is why Satoshi Nakamoto stayed anonymous, because he saw the writing on the wall. And of the, of the three of them, he's the only one that's been okay. And you think he's... Uh, he- He's still alive or still exists. So who, who is he? Is there any thoughts? Any? Well, that's the million dollar question. Yeah. You know, um, every, everybody's got their guesses. Yeah. I personally think Hal Finney is probably the closest um, person that, that, that could be Satoshi. And Hal Finney is dead, unfortunately. But at the end of the day, who the hell knows? Who cares? It became what it's, it is. If the guy's it's almost sitting back smiling. Exactly. Well, exactly. And the whole thing is that it's like it's better that it's that it's anonymous. Mm-hmm. Right? Because we don't want them to know. Because if they did know, then they could A, then they could come and, and arrest him or kidnap him or shoot him or do whatever to him. But then the other problem is whenever there's like a like a debate in the in the crypto community, everybody would be saying, Oh, Satoshi, what should we do? Mm-hmm. Whereas now we have like a million different solutions to the same problem and we let the market decide, which I think is a, is a better way to do it. And I think Satoshi would, would agree with me. Now, what do you think the future of Bitcoin is? Do you think it goes up? I read somewhere possibly a hundred grand, but do you believe any of that? Bitcoin BTC? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I think it has. I think it has a lot of room to go up. I think it will go up yeah. um, a lot. But I think that eventually, the market's going to catch up with it, and I think people are going to realize that it doesn't really function as an efficient medium of exchange. And I think when that happens, the bottom will sort of fall out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no kidding. And, and then what? Once the bottom falls out. Well, then I think people are going to be looking for a real medium exchange. They're going to, like, in other words, the way I kind of foresee it happening is that they're going to run into a hyperinflationary scenario. They're not going to stop printing money because there's no political will for it. Mm-hmm. So we're going to wind up with hyperinflation. And at that point, people are going to be forced to choose another medium of exchange. And they're going to have a few options. They can pick gold or silver. I don't think they're going to pick gold because it's it's too valuable at this point. They might choose small denominational <laughs> physical silver. Um, I, I think that a lot of people are going to say, all right, now's the time for Bitcoin, right? We're all going to use Bitcoin. And they're going to find out very quickly, like we were saying, transaction fees are, are extremely high. And, uh, you know, the, the confirmation times are very long. So I think when that happens, people are going to say, well, what other coins can we use? And I think they're going to turn to things like Monero, Bitcoin Cash, Dash, a lot of these coins that I think are meant to be medium exchanges. And that's where I'm putting my money today. Yeah, Ravencoin. Do you have any thoughts on Ravencoin? That's that's a hot one here in New Hampshire just because of the ties with Spenton and, and, and Ravencoin's great. I'm a big fan of Ravencoin, particularly because it's a great coin for tokenization. Ravencoin is a wonderful coin um, as a token platform. And I think that um we're, we're about to undergo a sort of what I'm calling a, a Tocambrian explosion. I don't know if you guys have heard of the Cambrian explosion when like this like period in, in archaeological history when one form of life blossomed into like, you know, thousands of millions of different life forms. I think that's what's about to happen with, with tokens. Yeah. We're on the, the cusp of something really, really exciting that most people don't understand. And Ravencoin is one of the few coins that's really positioned well to take advantage of this. I think um, also coins that can uh, coins that will assume some of that um, that 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 um, what's the word I'm looking for coins that are going to be adopted for token uses are going to be the ones that have mass adoption first because that's going to drive demand for chain space that's going to uh, you know reward miners who 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 are validating you know that particular coin so Ravencoin is a great coin big fan of it. Nice, nice. So you you're from New Jersey, right? Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> where where whereabouts? Um, I don't know if you know like Parsippany, Wayne, Fairfield, that whole area. So every year I take my family down to Ocean City, New Jersey, for the okay for the week in the summer. Uh, how far from from like the shore down that way? About an hour, about an hour, maybe an hour and a half. Not too far. Ocean City, New Jersey. I don't know if it's just because I'm there only for a week. That's like my happy spot, man. The yeah. is like, I look at it as like the last corrupt place. <laughs> There's no giant condos going in. Like we have Hampton Beach up here. That's it used trying to, to make this, it nice. It used to be this yeah. big rundown kind of shithole of a summer place. Where you can get fried dough and stuff your face with square pizza with sweet sauce. Right, right. Ocean City, New Jersey reminds me of that. I can go to Monco and Monco and, and, and get a decent slice. And then, you know, yeah. video games, take my kids on the ride. Yes. The water is warm. Um, I, I don't know where I was going with all this, but I just wanted to I guess, <laughs> to give them time. Give the people, give the, the New Jersey politicians time, because I promise you, if there is something good about that state, they will find it and they will corrupt it. I promise. <laughs> I went to Six Flags once. <laughs> Jackson. Yeah, I know. It's, you know, it's not that there, and that's, that's sort of the reason that I left is that, yeah, there, so my, my whole philosophy before the whole scamdemic was that, all right, look, there is a um, high cost of living. There's not a lot of liberty here, but there's a lot to do, right? There's beaches. I got New York City right here. Every night, there's a Bitcoin meetup. Every weekend, there's a convention for 3D printing or something, and there's bars all over the place and all sorts of cool stuff to do. And then once the whole the lockdowns hit, and the shutdowns hit, I start to think to myself, what's the point? What am I paying this high cost of living for? Why am I tolerating these infringements on my rights if there's not anything in return here? And that's when I decided enough's enough. And I, I, that's when I, I bailed out. Yeah. So you moved down to Florida. I remember an episode. I first started getting into Unloose the Goose. It was, it was last summer. There was an episode that you and Jack and Nicole and, and Xavier Operon, you were talking about food systems and food in growing food and you were talking a little bit about what you were growing in New Jersey. 
did you start growing anything now that, that you moved down in Florida and you basically got 365 to, to grow? It's funny. I, I haven't because I'm in like a sort of apartment condo kind of setting, Yeah, which, which kind of sucks because uh, right now I would be on my game. Um, I actually, what the, the, what's cool about here is that um, there's a lot of like fruit trees. Yeah. So you get like mango trees, avocado trees, stuff like that. And uh, the la- I was just about to rent a place that I just turned down, but it had like two avocado trees and one mango tree. And I was like, that's almost enough for me to take the place despite the roaches on the floor. <laughs> like I almost still want it, but um, I sit outside a farmer's market and trade them all. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's, that's, that's what I honestly intended on doing. Yeah. But um, you know, the, the thing is about growing your own food. And this is what I tell people. If you, and I think this is the point that we tried to make in, in that goose episode is that, if you're unable to grow your own food, one thing you can do is trade for it, right? And, I, and I'm not talking about going to Walmart and, and you know, trading fiat. Look, look in your local area for farmers and ranchers and try to do business with them in a peer-to-peer fashion. If you can get them to, if you can exchange um, silver coins or cryptocurrency, you get even extra bonus or worse points. But if not, that's fine too. Here in Florida, I found... Uh, I've got an orange grove, a citrus grove, about 20 minutes from here. They make the best uh, orange juice I've ever had. It's actually like a honeybell juice. So they've combined, um, I think it's like a, a combination of like a tangerine and a grapefruit. And, oh, man, I could eat these things like candy. They're so good. Then I got another about a half hour, about maybe 45 minutes from here, I have a ranch where uh, – they grow, they have pigs, cows, uh, chickens, honey, stuff like that. So I buy beef and pork and honey from these guys. It's all uh, grown on site, you know, uh, using, you know, organic stuff and things like that. But the, the key is that you develop a relationship with the rancher and with the farmer so that when the politicians really do mess things up and that day is coming, when shit hits the fan, you know where to go. You, you have a rapport with these people and you're able to approach them and say, hey, I'm in a bind can we work something out? And, and I think that that sort of is the key to surviving the, the shit storm that, that that's, that's about to come. Yeah. know your farmers. Definitely no joke. I lived yeah. in West Palm beach for about three years. Oh, nice. Down in Florida. So I know all about the fruit trees, the citrus trees. I was working as a sous chef at a country club and we had a giant banana tree that we would just pick the bananas off. of. And oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Bring them in and serve them. It was all the, the best. That's great. They would work the grounds all during the day and then in the afternoon come in and cook and they had just just plots of these hot pepper plants and they would take them and make hot sauce and that's like that's like that's like my heaven there if i I knew then what i know now i'd figure out a way that i could split my time between the two states i really would that's my goal honestly my goal is to be a snowbird and do new hampshire and florida but it's just it's a honestly it's it's very expensive and the property taxes in new hampshire don't make it easy dude they're freaking ridiculous they're it's oppressive control. Yeah. I, I have a 2500 square foot house on three quarters of an acre and i pay nine grand taxes yeah. a year that's insane that's yeah, insane. Exactly insane and they try and justify it well you don't have any sales tax you don't have right tax. well guess what there's not a lot of industry here in new hampshire so if you're living in new hampshire you're living near the mass line Chances are you're working in Massachusetts, and then they're going to hit you. Charlie Baker's going to hit you with his Massachusetts. Right. And the time with Deval Patrick, when he was our governor, he wanted to take the new inspection stickers on the cars for people who lived in Massachusetts and put an RFID chip in the friggin' things and tax you on the amount of traveling that you were doing. I was you living went into New Hampshire, right? And no, no, no. Was, this was for people who lived in that. I was living in Mass at the time. It was for oh, people oh who, man. It was in the Mass. The Mass. Um, 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 inspection sticker. I was living about 45 minutes north of Cambridge, Mass, and I was working for Harvard University. I would have been taxed through the friggin' nose. It, it would have been absolutely unbelievable. So, it, well, you, that's what, putting it out there to like, they're like, we're going to try it in Massachusetts, see how it works out, and then, oh, yeah. and then it, let's see how people react to it. People got bullshit. And they're like, oh, we get, we're not ready yet. We can't right, right. Yeah. The reaction yeah. will hold it comes, then we'll do it. Yeah, the reaction was not good. And just in my opinion, all, all this stuff is all related from, from what we talked about with the creation of the Federal Reserve all the way up to where we are, are now. It's oh, yeah. Interlock and Spiderweb. You even get into stuff like, like these CIA programs like MKL. Not to get all conspiracy on this right now. Yeah. 
But but I, I just, you look at MK Ultra and the, the LSD that they used in those experiments were made in a, by a company in Germany or Austria called Sandoz. And, and Albert Hoffman went on his magical bicycle ride and, and all that bullshit. Yes, yep. the, the one who funded that that laboratory to make the LSD was was uh, Daddy Warbucks, Paul Warburg, his, the, the guy who created the Federal Reserve. His son, the House of Warburg, funded the LSD making that was brought over to the United States. It's all one big interlocking friggin' mess. And, and and they want these people to have more control over your medical your medical yeah. uh, decisions. And oh, yeah. they're, here they are injecting people with LSD. Awesome. And, and yeah, and you got and you got Bear knowing they're giving people AIDS, and then they that they find out that they can't do that anymore in America, so they bring it over to Europe. Or or Tuskegee, right? The Tuskegee experiments, like Does anybody the, want the, to get stabbed the, up. I mean, they can't even write a budget. These people are incapable of even budgeting themselves. How can we expect them to make medical decisions for our children? This is absurd to me. They want to, they, they had, I, I saw this come across that it might, maybe you posted it, but it was in Alabama. They were trying to get like relatives of people that were in the Tuskegee to say like, I know what happened to my family was bad, but you are you serious? I didn't see that. This vaccine. And wow. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, how brainwashed are you? Like, your family got syphilis because of this. <laughs> like, imagine if your ancestor could see you right now. <laughs> like, seriously. And and this is the fuel that you need to make all those great memes, man. You're yeah. making all those memes. I dude, I, I honestly I used to make a lot more of them. I'm down <laughs> now to about 10 to 15 percent of them. I'm stealing them like crazy and putting yeah. them on our Facebook. Dude, steal the shit out of them. I steal the shit out of half of them. So I don't want to do. I'll, I'll feel bad. on Twitter, but I'm I'm saving and throwing them on Facebook and like look where I found them. Where I found them. <laughs> as, as as libertarians, we uh we don't believe in in property rights. So uh we we don't believe in copyright. I'm sorry, we believe in property rights. I, let me back up there. We don't believe in in intellectual property rights. So right, right, right. steal away. The, the bottom of the website that I'm I'm putting together for the spice thing I'm doing, I have instead of the all rights reserved, no rights reserved. Take it, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's actually in in, in, in the. I actually have that in um the very first page of anti. <laughs> you got it, no right. I don't know if you guys can see that. Great minds think alike, man. Yeah. Holy shit! Awesome. So I, I yeah. want to make a deal with you right now. So once, so this weekend I'm working on blending and formulating spices and getting my you know recipes down so I can make these things consistent across the board. Once I get some a, a good batch of stuff going and I get the bags all filled up, I'd like to send you some in return for some of these oranges. Yes, hell yeah, let's do it. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do this. I'm all about. I'm all, I'm like all about spices. I'm the guy. I'm the guy. Uh, I'm your market because my whole. I, I actually there's a story here that I go to. Not to get off topic on you guys, but um, no, there is no topic here, dude. I don't know if you know. <laughs> okay. Yeah. There's actually a store not too far from here that's like all they do is sell like different spices. And I'm like making chicken wings. I just got into like making like chicken wings and, and uh, uh, steak from this ranch and all kinds of cool shit. So I'm just entering the world of spices. So we should definitely uh, yeah. trade some of those oranges. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, yeah. I can mail you some down, mail me up some oranges. That'd be freaking perfect. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think the orange grove opens until the end of September or something like that. But absolutely. You'll, you'll, you'll like these honey bells, man. They're good. What's that? You'll like these honey bells. They're really, really good. I probably won't have the spices nailed down until then anyway, too, because I want to I want to take some pretty professional looking photographs with them and everything. Like I get the DSLR and all that. And, nice. You know, good. A little light box and try and make things all, all professional. I don't want to use any stock photos and whatnot. And, and I want to get a few blog posts in there, too. Kind of like. Absolutely. That's what I'm thinking is, you know, what's the difference between herbs and spices and, and all that? And, well, if you um, if you need any help promoing it, dude, just let me know, especially if you're accepting cryptocurrency. And like if you if you do accept cryptocurrency, make sure you're on maps.bitcoin.com because anybody else who's in your area trying to spend cryptocurrency that's that that's where they look so maps.crypto.com maps.bitcoin.com okay yeah i've been writing down all these links that you've been talking about bit pay card bit bit refill i'm gonna put them all in the show notes there man this this 
You're a wealth of information. Thank I feel you. like we've only cracked the surface, and I feel like the show's just made a great friend, man. It was awesome meeting you. Yeah, absolutely, man. We, we definitely, I mean, there's, there's, we could talk about this stuff for days. So whenever you guys, I know, you know, you guys just got back on the horse. So whenever you want to do it again, I'm always, always down to come on and, and bullshit about this stuff. Awesome, awesome. Now, let's let's wrap things up, because I want you to go and enjoy your night. It's 8 o'clock now, right? It's Friday night. Probably want to kick back and relax. Um, tell us where we can find you and, and all that. The, the usual wrap up of a podcast stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm actually going back to work after this. I'm going. I'm actually working on recording the audiobook version of Anti Politics right now. And I'm about in your reading. Yeah, I'm, I'm recording it myself because I, I I think that that's what people. I think that's what they want. So I mean, we'll find out. It's Is also it cheaper. Was that? Is it hard to read your own book? Like, do you feel like? No, no. Honestly, I'm like, I, I, I don't want a. I don't want to pay somebody to do it. But b. I, I'm afraid they're going to get the narration wrong. So I feel like I'm the only one who can do it correctly. So. Um, and I feel like that's a big selling point too to have it read by the author. Yeah, right. That's what I'm. I'm I, I think so too. So the book's doing really well. It's like number one in in Anarch, number one new release in Anarch in like a few different categories. But. Um, you can find it on Amazon. The book's Anti-Politics, a collection of agorist essays. Um, you can follow me on all your different social media platforms at either, you know, at Sally Mayweather or just Sally Agorist. I run a meme page on Facebook that not a lot of people follow. Well, I got about 15,000 followers, but not nearly as much as Twitter called Print Guns, Not Money. So follow that page. Uh, 3D Printer Go Burr for your 3D printers and Agora Threads for... Um, you know, any sort of libertarian or anarchist merchandise, clothing, stuff like that. And of course, cryptocurrency is accepted all around. So awesome. Awesome, man. Yeah. Hey, great talking to you. Great, great starting to get to know thank you. Thank you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Please say thank you from, from us to the whole crew on Unloose the Goose. Yes. Podcast is just phenomenal. Um, Will do. And I've learned more about gardening and homesteading from, from Jack and, and, and um, um, Nicole. Than, than Join the club. <laughs> unreal man unreal so yeah what you guys are doing is great keep doing it and i look forward to talking to you again soon very cool man let's do it awesome man thank you guys take it easy man